Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Pastor asked me to minister tonight. I already had something on my heart, uh, uh, direction on what to do, so that's good. And uh, while you're turning there, we'll just pray for the night service. Father, we just thank you for tonight. Lord, we just approach your word with open hearts, open ears. Father, we thank you that we're not alone in this. Even tonight, for me to minister or for us to hear the word, we're not alone in this, but your spirit is with us. Holy Spirit is present. He's our teacher. He's our guide. He's the one that is the revealer of truth. And so we do put a demand upon him tonight. Open these things. Open uh, uh, the truth of your word to us. Help us to see what we need to see. Father, thank you. We're not limited to my words, but we have the witness of the Spirit alive on the inside of each and every last one of us. And we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for revelation knowledge tonight. We love you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalms 127. I better turn there myself. Uh, 127. We'll start in the first verse. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who, who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. Uh, the message Bible of that says, if God does not build the house, the builder only builds shacks. <laughs> no one wants uh, that to be the uh, description of their life's work, right? Uh, it said, if, if God doesn't build the house, they only build shacks. If God doesn't guard the city, the night watchmen might as well nap. And, um, you know, this, this subject of, of, our, uh, of building the city, obviously, you know, God is, is not building our houses here uh, on this earth. But this is really, really talking about uh, the building or the produce of our lives, what is built by our lives and what uh, the endeavors of our life, whether it be in ministry or just personally, whatever it is. And really, the involvement of the Lord in what we're doing is vital to success. And that scripture that says, unless the Lord, the, the Lord builds us, we're building shacks. And so that means that something that's not of real value uh, isn't what it could be. And won't, let me know that shacks are not necessarily a place you want to be in a time of storm. You don't think of the hurricanes coming through, oh, let me find a shack to go to. Uh, when we were at Rama, you know, uh, that big F5 that moved through, uh, the, I think it's the only F5 they've ever had there, moved through uh, the Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Tulsa area, you know, uh, while we were out there. And it had a, uh, I, I don't know what they call it, but the the eating zone of the, uh, that's real technical, right, uh, of, the, of the tornado where it was actually on the ground and tearing everything up was over a mile wide. I mean, that's, that is a, just an enormous uh, storm. And so we were there and, and um, you know, we're watching the news because it was on the ground in Oklahoma City and going right along the interstate, you know, right for, for Tulsa. And uh, so we're watching, kind of watching the news as it went. And, and uh, of course, it got dark by the time it's getting to, I stayed on the ground, I don't know how long, it was a very long time it was on there. I mean, all the way from Oklahoma City to Tulsa is a pretty good distance, and it stayed on the ground that entire distance. And so uh, by the time it got to us, you know, it was getting dark. And so we're watching the TV, the, 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 the you know, the TV uh, stations, you know, downtown watching in the distance toward Oklahoma City, and it's dark, so you couldn't even see the thing now, but you, you can see transformers blowing up the closer it gets into town, you know, and so we're in, we're in student housing at Rama, and um, 
like men of faith, you know, Raymond Security comes racing through the apartment complex and is yelling, get out, get out, get out. And so that's not something you want to hear when there's a tornado coming and it's dark and, and the people that are security for the school are running and get out, get out. So anyway, uh, we left and, and uh, you know, when we left, we didn't look for the most shaky establishment to go to. Well, I wonder what is the ricketyest building around. Now we looked for the biggest, strongest uh, best thing to go to for, for shelter. And so, you know, it says here, unless the Lord build a house, whatever you build, you're really building a shack. It's not a something of safety or a place of refuge. It's not something that's going to last. And so the importance of, of making sure uh, in our lives that, that in any endeavor that it is, that we have the Lord involved is of the utmost importance that God be in the middle of what we're doing. Wouldn't you agree with that? And, um, Question that that questions that I ask myself, you know, and, and we should ask ourselves: Why am I doing what I'm doing? Uh, as a minister, I ask myself: Why am I ministering what I'm ministering on? I mean, you know, there's a lot of subjects we can teach on. Tons of subjects we can teach on. Well, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, we're I know as a church we endeavor to to, to follow the uh, what's on our heart and what the Lord has been dealing with us about and, and leading us to minister on. So, a question we ask: Why am I ministering what I'm ministering? We can say this: Why am I pursuing what I'm pursuing? And uh, these are questions that that we have to ask ourselves on a continual basis to make sure that uh, you know our focus is clear. And that our direction is clear and that we're really pursuing him because you can start off with one builder and end up with another. And we want to make sure that we start with the right builder, the Lord involved in our life, building this, uh, building this house with us. Like I said, he's not building it, but in the sense that as we follow his instructions, the Lord is building the house. In the sense that we are obeying him and following his direction, then the Lord's will is being done and we're building something of value that will stand the test of time. And so asking these questions is important. Why, why am I pursuing what I'm pursuing? Not just spiritually, but also naturally. And this is not about being spiritually paranoid and running around and just questioning everything, but it's a, it should be a, something in us that... How many know that we ought to go more than just once every few years or once every 20 years? Let's say you hit a milestone in life, one of those big numbers in age. I remember when I turned 30, oh, you're, oh, you're 30 years old, right? Then you turn 40, oh you're, oh, you're getting old, Pastor Greg, you turn 40. And so you ask these, uh, Diane McKenzie says, that's nothing, I'm just a baby. So, um, you know, you, we have these milestones or things that come along. Let's say that, you know, uh, somebody's graduating from college or graduating high school. Now they have to suddenly take a step back and evaluate. Yeah, those are in good times to do that. But how many know that if you only do it on the milestones or something that really gets your attention, you could very easily not be where you're supposed to be? And, you know, if, if we believe that the Lord is coming back at any time, at any moment, uh, it's important uh, and, and really the truth is our other people's lives are dependent upon what we're doing right now. Even if Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime, other people are depending upon what we do tonight. Right? I mean, today in our giving, we, we supported our, the missions. You know, you guys, people are depending upon what you did today. Did you obey what the Lord told you to do or did you not? I mean, our, our actions hold eternal consequence, and, and there's a reality behind everything we do. And so making sure that not just in the milestones, but in every day we're making sure, is the Lord involved in what I'm doing? Is what I'm building today, is this block that I'm laying in my house, or is this, this board that I'm putting up, or this addition that I'm adding, is God right in the middle of what's going on, or is this somehow moved into some other area? 
And it's so easy to let other things get in and other interests get in and other things really begin to cloud what we think is important, what we think we ought to do, how it should look, how it should be focused. I mean, all of those details, some things are, are you know, stuff is, is screaming out for attention in your life. And things are screaming out to take the, 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 the forefront of your life. And so making sure that we're keeping the Lord involved in what we're doing is everything in life. And so uh, uh, we, it, when we begin to do things outside of God's plan, uh, it's vain. It, 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 is, it is worthless. It doesn't reap a harvest for us. It's laborious. Some of you have ever been outside of the will of God and it just gets tough. Everybody been there before? I've been there before where I've gotten outside of what God has asked me to do, and life gets difficult. And, and sometimes we say, well, doing what God asked me to do is difficult. How many know if we're going to obey God, there, are, there is going to be sacrifice? We, we ought to be able to talk about this stuff. There's going to be sacrifice, and at times it might even be uncomfortable. I'll say if you're never uncomfortable in your walk, you may not be following God. If you look at the Bible with the disciples who went with Jesus, they were uncomfortable on a regular basis. Imagine, that, imagine Jesus looking at you if you're one of the 12 and saying, you feed the 5,000. Uncomfortable, right? I mean, you, like, well, there's not a Piggly Wiggly around here. There's not a Winn-Dixie. Jesus, have you lost your mind? He didn't. I mean, what, what did you say? They were very aware of Jesus' words. And he looked at him. and he said, you feed him. Would that make you a little uncomfortable? What if I were to walk up to you tonight and say, you finish this message? Would you be, would you be, oh, would you, I love it, great. I've been, I hoped you'd give me the mic. Or would you be a little uncomfortable? All right. Well, they said people are, are, are more afraid of public speaking than death. That makes no sense. But anyway, uh, <laughs> You, have a, you, you speak bad in public. You, you, well, you got tomorrow. If you're dead, you don't. So anyway, um, maybe that's what you want if you speak bad. I don't know. But um, I'm sure people who follow, we know those who follow Jesus on a regular basis were uncomfortable. I mean, Jesus directed them into situations that were so beyond what was natural and normal. But, you know, how many realize that we've been called to a life that's not natural and normal? Amen. We've been called to a life that's not natural or normal. In Isaiah 55, you can turn there and look at it with me. Isaiah 55, it's a scripture that, that we know and, and one that um, uh, we've heard before. But, you know, it's good to remind ourselves of these things. And Isaiah 55, this will be in the eighth verse, and I'll give you just a second to get there. If you're there, let me know. Say I'm there, PG. You there, Bonnie? Okay, all right. So make sure, because I didn't see your pages turning. Make sure you weren't skipping out on me here. Isaiah 55, it says, for my thoughts, and that's a capital M, my thoughts, this is God's thoughts, are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Notice the difference here between the way God sees things and the way we see things. He says, for as high, for as the heavens are higher than the earth. How many know that the heavens are higher than the earth? You do know that that is higher than here, right? In case you're questioning. How many know it's, it's a long distance, Higher. How many you know when you look up into the heavens, it's a whole lot higher than it appears? I mean, you're in an airplane, you're flying at what, 30,000, 40,000 feet? How many know that, I don't know what the number is, but you're still in the Earth's atmosphere a lot farther up than that before you get into the outer heavens? I mean, you are 
How many know that's it's a, it's a lot further than even it appears? He says, for as high, or for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And um, his thoughts are not our thoughts, nor, nor can they be just in themselves. But before we can determine his ways, we must determine his thoughts. Before we can determine his ways, we got to know what his thoughts are. And they're going to challenge us. There are going to be things that are going to be uncomfortable to us. There are going to be things that are going to, that are going to be, at times, um, uh, going to be something that, that causes us to pause and to, to weigh the option of either doing it his way and us taking the lead in building our lives or then following and doing what he's asked us. There's something Brother Hagin said uh, that, that we've talked a lot about Brother Hagin lately. He said, many upon whom I place my call and my anointing will live and die without accomplishing the first phase of their ministry. This is something that the Lord said to Brother Hagin. He said, many upon, uh, many upon whom I have placed my call and my anointing will live and die without accomplishing the first phase of their ministry. Now think about that as ministers, that many, amongst whose the, that God has placed his hand and his call upon them, We'll live and die and never get into the first phase of their ministry. I know Brother Hagin, when he talked about it, that he pastored all those years. And, and really, the first phase of ministry wasn't until after he had pastored, before he got into what God had called him to do. And before he went home with the be of the Lord, he had said he was entering his fourth and final phase. And, and, uh, but there were many stages along the way. But he said that many, the Lord had told him many ministers never even get into the first phase of their ministry. They live and die and never get there. What, what a, can you think about what a shame that is or what regret there would be uh, in the life of someone who's responded? And these people who have responded to the call of God into ministry that when they stand before the Lord, he says, you, 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 you did, you, you, you responded, but you didn't even get into the starting gate of what I asked you to do. How many know that, that all of the things that you accomplish in that period, there will be some reward and some blessing for the things that that, that individual would uh, accomplish. But how many know if you didn't even get into the first phase of your ministry, the blessing that they walk in and the reward that they walk in for eternity will be a whole lot less than what God intended it to be because it didn't even get started what God really had called them to do. And many ministers, the Lord told Brother Hagin, many ministers live and die and never even, never even get to this place. Well, if that's true of ministers, how many know that it's just as likely true of people who are not called into full-time ministry, people who are just members of the body of Christ? Now, we know that we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. So whether you like it or not, in one sense or another, you may be, not be called into a five-fold ministry, but you are called into the ministry. Did you know that? And we've all been given that ministry of reconciliation. That means every, look around tonight. Every person you see sitting on your left, your right, in front of you, behind you, they all have been given, we know at least that ministry. We know that that is, that is a mandate, a ministry. There is grace, there is anointing, there are giftings, but there's also a, a call, there's a plan, and there is a purpose in that area there, the ministry of reconciliation that every one of us have received. Let me ask you this question. In that area, have you entered the first phase of your ministry? Have you entered the first phase of your ministry? And you might say yes. You might say no. Your immediate response may be, well, well of course. Well, or your immediate response might be, well, not really. 
Now, sometimes we have to check our heart to see where are we at, but other times we evaluate where we are upon other things that maybe are outside of what God's word says. So what is it that you're basing your answer on? Are you in the first phase of that ministry? You know, I'm called to that as well. I mean, I'm called to the fivefold ministry, but I'm also called to, to be a minister of reconciliation. That is, that is a, also part of my personal call in life is to spread this good news. And I do it not just verbally, but I do it by my actions, by my life, by my choices, by my example. I, I do it by all of these things, right? And so we have to look at ourselves, whatever it is, are you in the, are you in the starting gate? Are you progressing? Are you at stage one? Are you even prior stage one? Are you down the road at three or four? I don't know. That's something you have to ask the Lord and find out for yourself. How many know that it's really important that we know where we are? It's a kind of an important deal that we know where we are. If you are building a house, you need to know what stage you're building your house is. There's a house in the back of my neighborhood that, honestly, I've been coveting. I'll just be honest. You're not supposed to covet your neighbor's, your neighbor's possessions, but they're not exactly my neighbor. They live in the back of the neighborhood, so they're not my neighbor. But I've been coveting their house, right? And so they're building this house. It's a beautiful two-story. Amy doesn't like two-story houses because she grew up in Pittsburgh, and everybody has two-story houses. She doesn't like them. I like them just because we don't do them here very often. So this beautiful two-story house in the back that they're building, you know, I mean, it's not huge, but I love the layout. And I've actually, maybe, I can't, I will neither confirm nor deny, but I might have, it's possible, conceivable, that I might have broken a law or two by going into that building and walking around. You know, they put those signs up, you know, under penalty of law, don't enter here. This house doesn't have one of those. So I figure maybe it doesn't apply. And, uh, and I'm not the one. I didn't take it down either. So there's not a sign. But I have walked in many times. And, and, and I go back there, you know, because I do it at night in case somebody is. Or doesn't, I don't know. It's just, I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe there's a problem here. But anyway, uh, I, I, I tend to go back at night. It's on, it's on the very back. If I run in the neighborhood, it's at the very end of my jog. So I'll run there and then I'll. Just make sure the workmanship is good. I mean, I'm just thinking of the next owner. Uh, and, 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 but let me know, as they're building this house, it's kind of whoever the contractor is or whoever, whoever owns that house, they kind of need to know what stage they're in. And they need to be realistic about where they're at. And it would be really foolish to spend that money on the lot and to pay for all the supplies and all the things that are required to build it and yet never get out of the foundation stage. Right? To never get beyond the beginning stages. And so, I know we keep saying this, but being realistic where we're, where we're at is such an important thing. And, and making sure that we are following what he wants us to do is of the utmost importance. And so, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And so, we want to make sure that we are yielding our thoughts and our ways and our plans. We're yielding that to him. And, and we're following what he wants us to do in every area of our life. This applies to all of us. Right? God's word has something to say about every area of our life. So how do we get into his thoughts in our life? Go over to James chapter 1. And we're going to look at a few things. I don't know how far we'll get tonight. If we, if we need to come back, that's a good part of being on staff. We can always do that later. But uh, James, the first chapter. Let me turn there, James chapter 1. And like I said, these are scriptures that we know. And, and, but, you know, it's not in what we know. It's in what we're doing. And what we're living, that's where the victory is. Got to know some things, but have you know it's, it's the, the walking in these things that are important. So in James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, 
and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But do not but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man or woman he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And so these are scriptures that we know. It's so important to be a doer of what you know. It's so important to be a doer of what you know. It's so important to put these things into practice because what happens is we deceive ourselves. It's, it's one thing to be deceived by somebody else. It's something else to just deceive ourselves. And so not being a doer of the word really is exactly what happens. We deceive ourselves. But notice in verse 21, it says, to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. How many know that's a good idea? And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The Amplified of verse 21 says, so get rid of all uncleanness and rampant outgrowth of wickedness. That tells them right there that we should always be on the outlook or, or, or on, the, uh, uh, on the watch for areas we can get more uh, to look more like Jesus. Amen. So get rid of all uncleanness and rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And in, the hum, in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word which, is in, which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. Remember, we've got to find out his thoughts before it will first if we're going to find his ways. We've got to get a hold of how he sees things if we're actually going to walk in his ways. And so it says here to receive with meekness, be a humble, uh, gentle, modest spirit and receive and welcome the word which is, a, which is implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. The first thing, if we're going to, if, if we're going to, and there's other things we can add here, but uh, that had on my heart to talk about is being uh, receptive and open to what God's word says. And, and the fact that God has a will and a plan for your life. He's got something to say about every area of your life. And you've got to be open to hearing what he's got to say. If you're not open to hearing what he's got to say and what his thoughts are on where you are today and where he wants you to be tomorrow, if you're not open to hearing those things, you will miss the instruction. And that's how initially how people get outside and away from the Lord being involved in the building of their house, their life, their ministry, their, every area is they get outside of his thoughts on things and to get in front of that and not open to what he has to say. And that's how you get in a place where your house and your labor is done in vain. And so receiving, being, being open and receiving the word with meekness, being open to it is so important. In fact, it's something that Paul begged them to do. Go over to first, um, uh, uh, go over to second Corinthians rather in the sixth chapter. These are scriptures that we know, but, but these are good things to look at. Paul Paul was the man, and uh, Paul had so much insight and so much uh, just grace upon his life. I mean, he was really, I, I can't, he's one of the ones I want to meet when I get to heaven. I want to meet Brother Paul, right? And Paul Morgan, you're awesome too. So, so and, and, and all the other Pauls we have. So, but Paul in the Bible is someone I really want to meet, and, and Paul was an incredible man, mightily used of God. But imagine for a minute, that the, the call that was upon Paul's life, before we read this, just think about the call that was on Paul's life. Do you think Paul understood the magnitude of what God had asked him to do? I believe he did. 
I believe Paul walked in an awareness of what God had asked him to do, the, the value and the importance of the truth that God was revealing to him. And, you know, he, he referred to it as his gospel and these things that uh, the word that he had spoken and the instruction he had given, he knew that all of these years later, almost 2,000 years later, that the words that he spoke and the things that he penned in these different letters that he wrote to these churches, that all of these years later, now maybe he didn't, he didn't see us like this tonight, but he knew that these, this instruction would be something that would be looked at and, and reviewed and studied and ministered and preached and declared because he told them when, when he would write a letter to, to Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, he went into Ephesus, but they, they pass it on the whole region of Asia Minor. He went everywhere. And so he knew that his letters didn't just go to one place. They went everywhere. And even today, the things that he wrote we're still looking at, and Paul knew that there would be an emphasis. Why? Because he knew it was the very word of God. It was instruction straight from the Holy Spirit. Do you think Paul knew how valuable the things that he was saying was? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely he did. And, he, he, and because of that, there was this passion, this crazy burning passion on the inside of him to get this message out. And, to, and it's one thing to say something. You ever, it's apparent you ever said something, and you know that it's not registering Never happens in my house, right? My kids get everything, but no. Uh, you say something, and it's just, you're saying it, but it's just not registering, and you know it's something that's vitally important. I mean, if, if you know it's super important, doesn't, doesn't something almost just come over you like, no, you are going to get this right now, right? I remember many times growing up, stuff would be said, and I'm not listening, and they would make sure they got my head out of the ozone and make sure that you understand what I'm telling you right now, right? Be careful when you're driving. Don't wreck all my cars. I mean, yes, those things. Paul knew that his words were so important. He knew that his instructions were important. And in here in, 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 in 2 Corinthians, he's writing, and this is verse 11. This is always, to me, kind of stood out just because you see his heart. Uh, and, and, and really his desire to communicate and to get things across. In verse 11, he said, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. I appreciate that, you know, Paul read that, wrote that, because, you know, I'm endeavoring to do that as well in ministry, to be as open as I can be about things and, and be as transparent as I can be about things. And, and I love that Paul said, he said, listen, we have spoken openly to you. I tell you, I'm so grateful in the past, people who have spoken plainly to me and openly to me and been just in love, brutally honest. Remember I said, we said in love, brutally honest. In love, brutally honest. You can, just a side note, you can speak the truth. It's not done in love. It's not going to be heard, right? That doesn't necessarily mean flowery in, in, or apologetic, but it does mean done in a heart of love. And so Paul said, listen, he said, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. He said, you're not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Do you think that might have hurt a little bit for them, for, for them to read that? You're not, you're not being restricted by me. It's your own affections that are restricting you. But it was the truth. He went on to say, verse 13, says, Now in return for the same, I speak to you as children, not meaning less than or, or immature, but as his very own. He was begging them and speaking to them. Remember, he started off in verse, verse 11. Oh, Corinthians. It wasn't just a, hey, guys. This was something he's like, listen to me. 
In verse 13, it says, Now in return for the same, I speak to you as children, you also be open. Our openness to what, the, what God would say to us, our openness is the starting point. If we're not opening, open to hearing what he wants us to hear or what he has to say, we are in danger of missing the direction he's there to give, the thoughts and the ways that he wants to communicate to us. We must remain open. There's a lot of reasons why we're not open. I've been there myself. A lot of reasons why people aren't open. Like I said before, you know, if you're going to obey and do what the Lord's called you to do, now let me just say, this is not just about ministry. We, hear, we talk about these, these subjects, and a lot of times people just think, oh, that's about ministry. That's talking about people. No, this is talking about life. I, need, I want a message that, that talks just hits me where I live. This hits you where you live, right? He's got something to say about every area of your life. Not just people in the ministry, but he has something to say about how you raise your family, what you do with your money, what kind of jobs you take, who you marry, who you don't, where you go. Where, I mean, he has something to say about all of these things. He's got a plan for every area of your life. But, you know, a lot of times we're not open because we know that, that there, well, or sometimes we're afraid. How many know that even as believers, we live in fear sometimes? Please don't, talk, please don't talk to me about this. Please don't talk to me about this. Please don't talk to me about this. I know, you know, people, we used to make the joke years ago, oh, if, if I submit, God's going to send me to Africa, make me be a missionary. No, no, relax. I was afraid he wouldn't send me to Africa. <laughs> I mean, for years, that's what I thought I was going to do. And now I think, oh, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for not doing that. But, but you know, we, we're afraid of what he might ask of us. We're afraid if we open up to him, he's going to completely get in and mess everything up. Well, first of all, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so fear shouldn't guide, fear shouldn't be the determining factor of what you're opening to hear. Fear should have no business in, in what we hear and what we don't hear. We do know this, everything he does, he does for our betterment. It works together for our good. You, you, we have to get to the place where we, we trust God enough that he's a good heavenly father. And this is for somebody tonight. The Lord's been dealing with you about something, yet you've been resistant to that out of the sense of fear. You're afraid that it's actually going to work out bad for you. But if you'll simply obey, God will do things in your life that you've never even thought possible. But until you get over the fear of what, how many of you know somebody made the quote, and I'm probably going to mess it up, that we live our lives afraid of things, afraid of things, continually afraid of things that end up never happening. Most people live their whole lives afraid of this, afraid of that, and they never happen. It is, fear is a spirit, and it is not from God. He said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of what? Of power and of love and a sound mind. When something starts messing up with your mind, now I'll tell you this, when God starts talking about things, it may cause some questions, but that's a, there's a difference between that and being unsound in your mind. Right? Because where the instruction of the Lord is, there's grace attached to it. And even though it may cause you to tilt a little bit, there's still in the inside, it'll cause a stirring on the inside. If you, will rec if you will recognize what it is, there is a grace and an anointing to produce in your life. 
But when dread or fear gets a hold of you, you need to deal with that thing because that is not something to guide your life by. How many times have you ever been in a place where the Lord told you to give something and you didn't do it out of fear? Oh, just me? Just, just yours truly? It's funny, you know, I was in Switzerland with Rich, and we, he, he harasses me about this from time to time. Imagine somebody harassing PG. I never harass anybody. Well, get, why am I reaping when I never sow? But anyway, um, he's bugging me about it because several years ago we were talking, and while we were at Ramah, the Lord told me to give my car to Rich. I didn't like the sound of that too much. I'll be honest with you, I didn't. And we were getting ready to move just a few months away from moving to, to Jacksonville. And the Lord, I, well, people say, I, well, I wasn't sure. Oh, don't lie. Come on now, don't lie. And I might have said, well, I'm not sure. I told myself, I'm not real sure if that's, that's God or not. But I knew that was the Holy Ghost telling me, give the man your car. And I was, to be honest, I was afraid that if I obeyed, Yours truly would be hitchhiking everywhere he went. Jacksonville's a big city, and I would be hitching a ride because I just can't give away my car. If I do that, what's going to happen? Have you ever been there before, or just me? And the Lord asks you to do something that's way bigger than you, and you're like, you, you, what you talking about, Willis, right? I mean, you got that, that reaction. You, you are the wrong guy. So the Lord talked to me about it, and he gave me several, it was several months before we moved to, to get my heart right, and I fought that thing for the last several months we were in Tulsa. I, I think I would pray, pray it through, brother. I'm, a, I'm just pray. I'm going to believe God. I pray this out. And I got to release it. Oh, whoo, glory. I got, okay, that wasn't, that wasn't him. That was just me. And the Lord gave me a check. And then, like, no, I'm lying. That's the Holy Ghost, right? And so I went through months of this. You're supposed to give him your car. You're supposed to give him your car. You're supposed to give him your car. And even the day before we're leaving, I'm, I'm, I'm sweating bullets, like, I'm supposed to give him my car, and what am I going to do? And, and uh, you, you're, you're thinking about all the things that could go wrong if you obey. Isn't it funny when fear is involved, we always think about our thoughts are what could go wrong instead of what could go right? I'll be honest with you. I, I don't remember looking back. I don't remember one time being the letting, letting the thought process because I knew it was God. I don't remember one time allowing my imagination to run with what's possible with obeying God. Come on now. Some of you, there's a secret there for you. Lord's been dealing with something, and remember, we're supposed to take every thought captive, and all these thoughts of what could happen, which haven't happened, are just running through your mind and, and making this whole movie in front of you of what's going to happen that is so awful and terrible, but we never once change the channel to the channel of obedience and what it means that you might actually obey God and something great might happen by obeying him. And I never let that come along. But can I tell you, I don't know if I've ever told the story before, but the day came I saw what God had for me. And to be honest with you, because I, obe I disobeyed and I let fear direct what I did, when it came, when it showed up, I recognized it immediately, but I was not in a place to receive it. Oh, I was so sad. I was so bummed out. Of course, you know, we moved to Jacksonville. I took the car with me. Everybody just shake your head at me. Oh, Pastor Greg. I took the car with me. We were, how long were we in Jackson before it got broken into? I mean, it was weeks. I mean, we, we lived with my grandparents for, what, three weeks until we, our, our condo thing. 
maybe a month or two months that we were there, somebody broke into my car in the middle of the night right outside our bedroom window and stripped it clean. I woke up the next morning, went out to get to work, and the door was broken open. They had bent the door apart and stripped every last bit of the, of the electronics and the dash. Even the boot on the gear shifter stole it all. It was not a pleasant sight, and it, it ran crazy. It did all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, am I saying that if you don't obey God, somebody will steal your car? I will say this. The minute it no longer belonged to me and I held on to it, I didn't have God's protection over it. Well, the Lord's talking to me about doing this or doing that or, or making this change or making this adjustment or, or laying this at the altar or doing that. And, and I, this can happen and this can happen and this can happen and this can happen. What about if I don't do it, God's hand of protection is going to be removed from it? I think I'd rather lose it than to lose his protection on me. The day came at my work Somebody walked into my office in a moment of desperation, and, and, their, and I don't know their situation. I don't know what was going on, but they had a couple-year-old infinity. I mean, right? and it, was, it was a J30 infinity. I still, I still can, it was dark green, emerald green with tan leather interior, and it was beautiful. It didn't have a spot on it. It had just a few, it had a very few miles on it. It was next to nothing. And this person, it's still today's, this makes me mad. He walked in and, and, and you know what? I didn't ask for somebody to get it for me because I knew in my heart I'd miss my opportunity. They came in and wanted somebody, they needed to sell their car do you want to buy this thing from me? It had the title in it. It wasn't stolen. Do you want to buy it? You know, and, and, and I knew right then I was not in a place to do it because I had not obeyed God. And things had transpired in a way that God's hand wasn't on. And when that opportunity came, I was not there to receive that blessing. He ended up selling it for like $5,000 to somebody else. Ouch. I should have given Rich that car. Yeah. Now, God met Rich's need. But God was also trying to meet my need by helping, letting me meet his need. And God was faithful to him, but God couldn't be faithful to my unfaithfulness. What happens is fear gets involved. Fear of what might, what might, might happen. I found this, if we'll obey him, he will give us enough information to bring Joy and cause there to be some uh, expectation for tomorrow in the next step. He won't tell us everything, but he'll give us enough so that the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. There'll be one step, and then he'll give you enough for the next step. And there'll be an excitement because you're on the plan of God. But if you never are open to it in the beginning, you're never going to get past that first moment of indecision. Do not let fear of what might be that likely will never be cause you to not be open to what God has for you. There, there's so many things. And when it comes to life, not just ministry, but in life, there are so many things that are dependent upon our obedience 
really there, and we can't be obedient to something that we're not first open to. Right? I couldn't be open to doing that because I wasn't, or obedient in doing it because I wasn't, un, I wasn't open to hearing it. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't even want to hear it, much less consider doing it. Our decisions that we make, the things we do in life, for me in that particular case, there was, there was something God had for me to meet a need. And really to, in, in that area, it was a step up. It would have been a major step up for me in that area if I just obeyed, right? I mean, that's a way nicer ride than I had. What, I got, what got broken into or what I had to buy in response to when I got there and had no car, right? So, yeah, it cost me a blessing, but how many know that also we are, we are tied in with each other? My disobedience because of fear, not open to hearing, which, caused, which yielded to, meant I wasn't open to, to hearing or nor responding to, caused Rich to go without something that he needed a little bit longer. Now, God took care of him. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in a place where things aren't happening. It's, it's because somebody isn't responding. And let me just say this. If you want to be somebody where... God is able, what God, Keith Moore said this when I was at Rama, and, I, and, I, and this is true. He said he endeavored in his life to be someone who responds when he was talking about giving. He was in giving and receiving class. He said, when the Lord tells me to give somebody something, I do it quick because I want to make sure when he tells somebody to give me something, they do it quick. How I many when you have a need, you want an answer, right? You want an answer when you have a need. None of us are like, I got a need and I want it to take 10, 10 years. No, you want, you want your answer now, right? Well, shouldn't we be people that we respond when he's calling us to be the answer, that we do it right away? And if it takes us 10 years to respond and being the answer to somebody else, how do you know it is not right to just get, all, get our underwear in a wad? Is that proper to say? I don't know, but I said it. Is it proper to do that when we don't get an answer right away? Yet we're never people who are quick to respond when he tells us to do something? Is that even reasonable? No, it's not reasonable. Isn't it crazy how we only see things from our perspective? And there are spiritual laws in work that I don't care how important you think you are, you don't supersede those laws or how unique your situation is. Come on now. We can't let fear. So a lot of times we don't respond out of fear of what might be. Fear is such a nasty thing. It is such a nasty thing. Stephen, Wednesday night's been talking about relationships. Not relationships, but relationships. While I was in Switzerland, it was, it was really good. Everybody say relationships. Relationships. He was talking about relationships. People, people all worried and get all hot and bothered about oh, a bunch of crazy stuff. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be alone. You're only 16. You're all right. You got time, right? You may know until you were 16, you had those thoughts. Uh, if I don't do that, I'm going to be alone, old and alone. I'll be, girl, I'll, I'll be alone. Relax. You ain't out of high school yet. <laughs> Come on. I always made fun of, I always thought those people in high school were ridiculous, that they couldn't have a pulse if they have somebody on their arm. 
Oh, find out who you are first, right? Find out who Jesus is first. Well, why do people do that? Because they're afraid if they don't, then they're going to end up with nothing. The truth is you do it your way and you might end up with nothing. I did it my way and I ended up with nothing. Somebody else took my gear shifter. <laughs> the car was mint, man. It was perfect inside. They trashed it. It was so embarrassing to ride in. It smoked. It would shut off. I'd drive it. I drove it for a couple months. So I found something. I think the Lord just let me just stew in it for a little while. I hated that car. I'd drive and it would just, it would just cut off. Oh, what do I do? Put the, I was so afraid every day coming over the Buckman Bridge. Is today the day I die on the bridge? It's going to cut off and I'm going to get run over. Thankfully it didn't. But it did cut off me several times getting off the Buckman Bridge. Don't dead. If I, don't, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, if I don't take this job, if I don't do, if I don't do this, if I say this to, to, to so-and-so, if I, don't stand, if I stand up for that, then this is going to happen. You very well find your place. If you don't do what the Lord tells you to do, the thing you're afraid of might actually happen because you disobeyed. He's here to deliver you out of that, not to bring you into that. He wants to pull you up, not pull you down. He wants to bless you, not demote you. If he gave us his only son, how will he not give you everything you need? If he's asking you to do something big, make a big sacrifice, he's got a big something for you. Trust him. Know him enough to respond. Praise the Lord. Fear. People don't respond out of fear. I'm so off my notes. say we need to deal with this I don't know what it is like I said you know people when we talk with these things you know we always think about ministry what is the Lord telling you to do well I don't know what the Lord's telling me to don't don't lie don't lie what is the Lord telling you to do what has he instructed you to do like I said he's got something to say about every area of our lives where does he say it? He says it right here, first and foremost. Do you realize that what you need is right here? So, I'll say this, so much of what you need is right here. So much of what you need is right here. Life is about a lot of little decisions. Really, it's a culmination of little, and there are some big ones thrown in along the way, but a lot of times people miss it in the big ones because they're not willing or disciplined to make the right call in the little decisions. And they develop a pattern of compromise. And when a big one comes along, a big decision, one of the things we label as a big one, they're doomed to failure because they don't, won't do the little stuff. How about spending time in your Bible every day? Little decision. Little decision. Turning off the tube for a little while. Getting off your phone. You're saying now that there is actually, there is a chemical addiction and imbalance to smartphones. It causes a rewiring in your brain that's not right. Put the thing down and pick this up. Or at least pick it up on your phone. I mean, it's everywhere, yo. Get the, keep the chemical imbalance, but at least feed it with God's word. You got it right here. I'm going to be off for Jesus. I'm going to be just off my rock over Jesus. Well, good, do that. 
we know the word. It, this, is, we, this is God's word. This is God's word. Why is it sitting on the desk all week? Uh, it's fear. Sometimes just straight up rebellion. Sometimes it's loving other things more than God. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Nothing is worth for your life. Nothing is worth disobeying what he tells you to do. And in the lives of those he has called us to, nothing is worth you obeying what he's called you to do, what he's told you to do. Nothing is worth it. Nothing is worth it. Is it uncomfortable? Is it unsettling? Is that thing the Lord has talked about, is it something that, that it's, 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 it, when you look at it, it just seems way too big? I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and we were talking, I don't know who this was, if it was you, you can tell me, but we were talking about, you know, um, you know being in Switzerland, looking at these huge mountains, and like, you know, what possessed people to, you know, was that you, Steve? What possessed people to go live there? I mean, I mean, what in the world would you decide to settle in these places at crazy elevations and just hard, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, but it's a, it's a harsh terrain. You know, it's not flat. It's, it's you know, the, where, where we stayed, Grindelwald, is at like 3,200 feet, right? And the mountain right in front of us, Iger, that was right outside my door, was 13,000 feet tall. It was a 10,000 foot almost. There was another one right here and another one over here and another one behind me. I mean, why would you live there? People live in all these little, you know, little villages all the way along the side, you know, and why would anybody do that? I think when I go to, you know, Amy's mom and dad, they have a house in, in West Virginia, beautiful up there. Whoever decided to, to go and settle there? I mean, you get there and it's full of trees and rocks and it's, it's, it's so much work. But then you drive now and it's got these beautiful fields and rolling fields and it's gorgeous. You know, somebody had to cut those trees down and clear that ground out. And sometimes the Lord deals with us about something and it looks like one of those scenes that he has, he, he calls you or puts in your heart to do something that is, that he puts in front of you. There are rolling fields and there are beautiful pastures that are going to be laid out, carved out of insurmountable circumstances. And how is that going to happen? You know how you do it? One tree at a time. One step of obedience at a time. So he said, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. If the Lord tells you to eat it, it's one bite at a time. If he doesn't, don't do it. <laughs> but that's just, it's so big. It's so, it's just so, oh, look at those mountains. They're so big, Drew. Uh, <laughs> an old thing he said years ago. Uh, but that's just such a, I don't even see how that's possible. With him, all things are possible. With you, it's not possible. 
But we're not partnered with just ourselves. We're partnered with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if we are, there are going to be things he calls us to do that are bigger than ourselves. And if he does it, what's the point? Think about that. If he never calls us to do anything bigger than what we can do on our own, why would he have sent his son if we didn't need him in the first place? Well, praise God. We'll stop here tonight. God's reward, or God will reward us for doing what he's called us to do. Like I said, that doesn't just mean in ministry. That means in life, every area. He's going to reward us for what he's called you to do. The things that are written here, he's called you to do them. He's given you a ministry of reconciliation. He's called you and gifted you to do it. Well, that's not my personality. Well, you better take it up with him. Because he said you are called to do it. He's going to reward us for, for doing what he's called us to do, not doing what he didn't call us to do. Let's not get there and have our labor be in vain. Let's not get there and have our labor be in vain. I said, let's not get there and have our labor be in vain. Amen? Whew. The good news is he's called us to do it. All these things, that are, all these instructions... If I had obeyed, give the car to Rich. The moment I had, you know what? I know I knew it was him, but once I got over, if I had just said, all right, I know that's God. I'm not going to play this game anymore. I know it's God. I'm not going to quit going around the, around the tree again and, and debating this. I know who it is. I'm going to get past it. I'm gonna, I hear you, and I'm going to obey. There would have been such grace there for me to do what I needed to do. Such grace. Such help. Whatever it is, obey. Ask the Lord, what, what, what is it? What's an error in your life? What's something you need to do? What's something you need? You can probably know right now what it is, right? Most of us know of areas right now. Maybe it's as simple as being, being, being committed and spending time in, in fellowship with your father. Start there, right? Whatever it is, just simply obey him guarantee you if you'll do it it might be challenging on your flesh it probably will be know it ahead of time it's going to be challenging on my flesh but it's worth the price At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.